listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Thursday show for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about the college football playoff, believe it or not. <laughs> a college coach who played both Florida State and Alabama speaks out and gives his thoughts on the college football playoff committee's decision to take Alabama over Florida State in the four-team playoff. We're going to talk about a big trade going down in Major League Baseball yesterday, the Yankees getting Juan Soto. We talk a little NFL upcoming this weekend, more on Philly versus Dallas, and take a look at some of your lines for this weekend, maybe some early leans of what I'm looking forward to in my picks tomorrow. And we'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's start with this. Brian Kelly, head coach of the LSU Tigers, one of the teams to play both Florida State, probably the only team, if I just off the top of my head, I got to believe they're the only team to play both Florida State and Alabama this year. Because Florida didn't play Alabama, I don't believe. No, they didn't. So he has knowledge of both teams, having played both of them. However, he played Florida State in week one. And Jordan Travis had a great, great game against them, and Florida State beat them. Alabama also beat them by two or three touchdowns week eight or nine into the season. But I'll just let Brian Kelly tell you what he thinks of everything. And when you summarize what he says in this video, basically, if you're asking me, this is what I've said about this for the last three days in a condensed version. So here we go. There were five conferences um, from the very beginning, and there's only four spots. So if you did the math, you just needed to look at the five conference champions and say there's four slots. And look, we played Florida State and we played Alabama, two outstanding football teams. But the two football teams were different at the end of the season than they were at the start of the season. So I think that from my perspective, um, unfortunately, Florida State was not the same team earlier in the year than they were later in the year because of the injury to the quarterback. Um, and look, you can take that for whatever you want, but if only four of the conference championship teams can go and there's five, you're splitting hairs because they're all great teams, but only four can go. <laughs> and there's five conference champions. And I think the committee had to figure out if you're going to sit one of them out, Maybe it's got to be the one that lost their quarterback. Um, and, I, again, I don't know. I certainly didn't sit in there. But I, I can see where they came from with the decision that they made. We I mean, doesn't that make all the sense in the world? Like, I've been talking about it for three days as I almost knock over my microphone there. I've been talking about it for three days. And, you know, I've gone into a little bit more detail and kind of laid everything out and all this. But it really is as simple as that. Five teams four spots they had to make a choice and what was the easier choice to make well why don't we leave out the team who doesn't have their best player <laughs> it just seems so simple I understand when Florida State fans look at it they just look at it as but what about our record we lost zero games and they lost one we won two games without that best player it's not as simple as that if you look at the overall totality and looking forward and moving forward and a four-team playoff, 
the college football committee is looking to put the best four teams out there. Why would you include the team that is missing their best player? You, but as we said, and kind of he alluded to, he and he even giggled at it. It was just like, well, there's five qualified teams. There's only four spots. Like somebody's getting screwed. And he kind of, I think he basically is saying, you know, look, the system's flawed, and we know it is. That's why everything's so different, and that's why everything is so weird in all this. Is so many people that are complaining about Florida State aren't acknowledging the fact that we get it. The system is flawed. Next year, this wouldn't have been an issue. It just so happened that for 10 years, the College Football Playoff Committee, frankly, didn't really have a decision like this. They never had anything close to this. They had some decisions sometime. What was that one year? TCU was third going into the final week of the season. They were ranked third in the college football playoff, but they didn't get to play for their conference championship because at that time the Big 12 did not have a conference championship game. So TCU couldn't play. Ohio State did and beat Wisconsin like 59-7 or something like that. And TCU not getting to play that final weekend dropped from three to six. And everyone's like, how can a team who didn't play drop three spots? Like, if you lose, totally understandable if you drop three spots. You don't play and you drop three spots? Yeah, pretty much. Because the College Football Playoff Committee does everything essentially on a week-to-week basis. It's why Alabama jumped from eight to four. They thought Alabama's win over the two-time defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, who had won 29 straight games, was more impressive and moving then from they thought it was impressive enough to move them from eight to four than Florida State beating a Louisville team 16 to six and their quarterback throwing for 55 yards. And it's not like the quarterback threw for 55 yards because they ran the ball for 350. It was he threw for 55 yards because he was that bad. And one of the criteria, even though there isn't a set criteria, like in the NBA playoffs or the NFL playoffs, if there is a tie, quote-unquote, which is essentially what this is, this is a tie between Texas, Alabama, and Florida State, but only two can make it. In the NFL, it's, hey, these how this is how we break tiebreakers. First one, head-to-head competition. Well, if that applied to this year's college football playoff, that's why Texas is third and Alabama is fourth. Texas beat Alabama. Makes sense. But everything else just becomes subjective. You have to take all these things into consideration. Head-to-head competition, common opponents. Did you win a conference championship? And then external factors in terms of coaches leaving, players being injured. That's what the College Football Playoff Committee is supposed to use as their parameters when determining who they decide to put into that Final Four. One is not supposed to outweigh the other. You're just supposed to factor in everything. And like I've mentioned, you've got 13 different people on the committee. Some are former coaches. Some are former administrators. Some are college professors. They're not even – we don't even know how big of football fans they are. How do we know that they've watched 13 games this season? We have no idea. That's why this committee, and for the last 10 years they got away with it, but this year bit them in the ass. It was utterly ridiculous, the fact that we're solving who makes the playoffs by 13 people in a conference room. When every other major sport says, these are the rules, this is how you get in. Your record 
And then if you happen to be at the bottom of the last teams we let in, if there's a tie, this is our first tiebreaker. This is our second tiebreaker. And then period, end of story, game over. Wherever you slot in there, that's where you finish. But college football says, eh, we're going to have a committee that decides this stuff. It's, it's utterly ridiculous and laughable. But that's the way they decide it. So it makes all the sense in the world. And like I said, no one factor is supposed to weigh over the other. Conference champion doesn't necessarily matter. Last year, Michigan and Ohio State undefeated going into the last game of the season. Michigan beats them. Ohio State still made the Final Four, even though they weren't a conference champion. They had one loss, and they didn't even play on conference championship weekend, obviously, because they didn't. They lost to Michigan. But they still made the playoffs, so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a conference champion to make it. The biggest thing this year was the fact that we had eight teams in the top eight that had zero or one loss at the end of 13 weeks, and that's just never happened in the history of the college football playoff. So that's why Georgia, the number one team in the nation, who had won 29 in a row, could lose a three-point game in the SEC championship and drop from one to six. They're not the sixth-best team in the nation. We all know this. But under this system, with 13 people in a room voting for it and having to justify where they slotted people, yeah, that's where they have to put them, even though it's stupid. Why is the sixth-ranked team in the nation 14-point favorites over the fifth-ranked team in the nation? You know? So you take everything into consideration. Brian Kelly summed it up as easily as you could. Five teams, four slots. They just figured, well, if we're going to leave one team out, why don't we leave the team out that is missing their best player? <laughs> Smart guy. I've said it for three different day, uh, three days in a row now. That was the reason. Because we all know Florida State's in if Jordan Travis never gets hurt. It's not even an issue. The debate became, the debate would have been, I mean, not only was Florida State in, they would have been the third seed. The might have even been the second seed. They might have said, you know what, we like Florida State and what they did this season better than we like Washington. They were number two or three if Jordan Travis never gets hurt. The whole debate on Sunday would have been, does Texas get in over Alabama? And the fact that they put Texas third and Alabama fourth means that they valued Texas's win in Alabama in week two more than anything that Alabama did, which... I'm fine with. I still think Alabama's win over Georgia was the best win of the season now at the end of 13 weeks. But head-to-head, big deal. Texas made it a point to schedule Alabama in non-conference, and they go on the road and beat them by double digits. So while there would have been – that would have been the debate going into Sunday, can you argue with it that Texas got in over Alabama? If Florida State would have gotten in, Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt? No, I don't think he could have because you'd just be like, look, they played each other on the field, and Texas went into their house and beat them by 10 points, something that just doesn't happen to Nick Saban teams. Granted, Alabama never lost a game after that and beat the two-time defending national champions on a 29-game winning streak in their last game of the season. Totally get it. A great, great win. But unfortunately, it made sense that that loss to Texas in Week 2 would have ultimately cost them. If Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, Florida State's in the top four, and the only thing we were debating Sunday is who got that fourth spot, Texas or Alabama. Makes sense that Texas gets in over Bama. So we had a trade in Major League Baseball yesterday, and it involved a perennial all-star, one of the best young hitters in all of baseball, Juan Soto. 
going from the San Diego Padres to the New York Yankees. The Yankees traded, I believe, five pitchers for him. And look, Juan Soto's one of the best young hitters. He's won a batting title already. Um, People are just salivating over the fact they think he's now going to hit 50 home runs with the short porch in Yankee Stadium in right field. I don't know if he's going to hit 50, but he's a masher, and he's exactly what the Yankees needed. They were terrible last year with runners in scoring position. They were, I think, 25th in Major League Baseball in like team batting average. They were very low in runs scored. But also the Yankees struggled with their pitching, and they gave up five pitchers yesterday. I don't think this guarantees the Yankees anything, really. The Yankees need pitching. They need guys to get healthy, and they need some depth. They didn't have depth last year. Yes, their offense struggled mightily. Aaron Judge got hurt. Giancarlo Stanton got hurt like he does every year. I don't think their offense is up to snuff, but getting one of the best young hitters in baseball is certainly going to improve their offense, you would think. But I don't think this puts them over the top at all in the American League. They gave up five pitchers, three of which I think are really like Major League Baseball ready right now. So I don't really know exactly if this is good enough. I don't think the Yankees are done. I I sure hope they aren't for Yankee fan sakes. I'm not a Yankee fan. I don't care what they do one way or the other. But for Yankee fans that are now like, oh, just sign, seal, delivered, give us the World Series. No, 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 not quite. You need to go out and get some pitching. Juan Soto is a stud. You now have an outfield of Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, and, well, Stanton really doesn't play the outfield. He's basically a DH. But you improved your offense, of course. You picked up Juan Soto. I just think they aren't done yet. They need to not be done, or else this is an 85-88 to win team. That's my guess. I mean, nothing. Look, I love Juan Soto. I, I love watching him play. I love his little shuffle in the batter's box. But they need more than that, and I don't think they're done. They better not be done if they want to be better. All right, let's talk and wrap this up with NFL talk for this weekend. Boy, tonight's an ugly game, and we've talked about this a couple times this week. Steelers hosting the Patriots. You've got Bailey Zappi going up against Mitch Trubisky. Right now, the Steelers are six-point favorites, and the total on the game is 30. I think this is one of the lowest totals in the NFL in the last 25 years, I believe. I think it is the lowest total in the NFL. Um, There's another game this weekend that's 31, and that's Jacksonville-Cleveland because it looks like you've got C.J. Beathard going up against Joe Flacco. Uh, The Jets and Texans are 33-and-a-half. So some low totals this week, but tonight's game – I've got, I mean, I could never lay six points with this Pittsburgh Steelers team because their offense is just putrid. And now they have a putrid offense with a backup quarterback. The New England Patriots defense is really good. At least it has been the last three weeks. I told you that stat earlier this week. They are 0-3 in their last three games, and they have given up a total of 26 points. 6-0 last week they lost. The week before that, 10-6. The week before that, 10-7. 26 points in three weeks. They're 0-3. It's the first time that's happened in the NFL since 1938. 
if you are a gambler, I would steer clear of tonight's game. I just would. I just how can you bet on a two and ten team that's starting Bailey Zappi? How do you know that they're going to stay within six points of the Steelers or possibly win the game outright? And how can you lay six points with the Steelers? It's just such an ugly game. Stay away. Don't do anything with this game. There's no point. I, if you have to have to bet it, seriously, I'm telling you this. If you really, really, really want to bet this game, flip a coin. And wherever it lands, just take that team. Just, you know, if you want to assign, okay, heads of Steelers, I'm going to lay the six. Tails, I'm going to take the Patriots and and take the six. Well, whatever it lands on, take that team because that's about where this game lands for me. Now, in dealing with a survivor pool and knowing that most people who have entries left in a survivor pool are looking for right-around touchdown favorites who are at home, I know that some people are going to pick the Steelers tonight. And my whole goal is to last and be the final one or be in our pool. Technically, it's like any time if, if it gets under 10 entries before the end of the season, we all split the pool. There's 38 people left in the pool. It's hard to know. I mean, we, I don't get to know until kickoff happens tonight how many people picked the Steelers. You've got the Ravens laying seven points. That's a game that I know people will be on, but I, I don't know how many people have already used the Ravens because this is one of those pools where you can only use, you know, same thing. You can only use a team once during the season. The Saints are five-point favorites at home against the Panthers. The Panthers have one win this season. A lot of people are going to bet against the Panthers every single week. I've done it the last couple weeks, and I've advanced. Is my time going to be up? The Panthers came within three points of the Buccaneers last week. Are they getting closer to winning their second game of the season? I don't know. Most people have picked the Niners, so they can't use that one. Most people have picked the Dolphins. They can't use that one. The Packers are laying seven on Monday night against the New York Giants on the road. Ugh, that game just screams upset. They might not lose the game outright, which is what this thing does, this pool does. It has nothing to do with lines, but you're looking at the lines to see who should win. And Green Bay Packers are coming off a nationally televised game at home, beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Now they got to go on the road in a nationally televised game next Monday night against a bad team. I mean, this is just this is just set up on a tee for the Giants to win this game. I don't think I'm going to use one of my entries on the Packers. And nor nor should you if you are in this pool. I, I just that game scares me because we've seen it numerous times. The best win of the week in the NFL the very next week they don't cover and usually lose the game outright. Green Bay is playing well. We give them that. I think they've won 4 of 5. They just beat the Chiefs. You know, we get it. They just beat the Chiefs. The week before that, they beat the Lions on national television on Thanksgiving Day. Like, back-to-back nationally televised games, they won on the road against Detroit, at home against Kansas City. Now they're on the road against a bad team. This is about as big of a letdown spot as you can get. So the question is, is it let down to where they struggle all game and they barely pull it out but they don't cover? Or is it a letdown game where they literally lose outright to a bad team? I don't think I can take that chance. I 
I still don't know what I'm doing this weekend with my entries in my pool with 38 left. I've got four slots left. I lead the pool among the 38 people left in our pool. No one has four slots left. So the strategy then becomes I'm certainly not putting all four entries on the same team because if I have four entries and I use them all on the same team, that's basically saying I have one entry. Why would I do that? I got to split them up. Am I going to do two entries on one team, two entries on another, two entries on one team, one entry on another, one entry on another, or do I do four different entries and just pick four different teams? Take the Steelers, the Ravens, who I still have available, uh, the Packers, and then you know somebody else, the Texans maybe, minus four at the Jets. Do it that way and just hope not to go 4-0 and in advance and hope that an upset maybe happens. So while I might lose an entry, the whole goal is the pool needs to lose so it can get down under 10 people in the pool. That's the way ours works. But I'll keep you updated on what I do. I don't have to make my decision unless I'm picking the Steelers tonight. I don't have to make my decision until kickoff on Sunday. So I'm still debating on whether or not to put something on the Steelers tonight. I know there's going to be entries on them. It's just a matter of how many, and I'm not going to know until the game kicks off, and I can't go in there and then change my pick or anything. So should be interesting. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. Tell your friends tomorrow we're going to have the NFL picks of the weekend. We'll look at that and have some other NFL and college football notes. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.